the irony of yelling at someone to want to choose me when I couldn't choose myself was very, very hard for me to swallow and not something that fixes right away. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Paducci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Hello, hello, hello. Happy Sunday, my honeys. Yes, I'm acknowledging that it is Sunday and not Friday, which is when you were expecting this episode to come out. But guess what? My computer was rude. We had some technical difficulties and um, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm very excited to introduce this week's guest to you. She is a firecracker and she's from Toronto, which is my hometown. So I'm a little bit biased, but I love that for all of us, to be honest. Let me introduce you to Kenzie Brenna. She is a 30-year-old self-love enthusiast. She's a mental health advocate, and she's also an actress. She's a hugely popular figure in the media for her candor and willingness to share. Kenzie has struggled with an eating disorder and body image issues for a lot of years, and now she's using her experience to educate others. She uses social media as a transparency tool, so encouraging those in her community to find boldness within themselves, cultivate vulnerability, love fearlessly, and live their truth. Can we just give that a bit of an amen? (laughs) Before we get this show on the road, I do want to leave a trigger warning. If you are someone who is in eating disorder recovery, if you are currently navigating your journey, if you are in discovery mode with it, and it is not in alignment with you to consume content, I just want to give you the opportunity to bow out of this episode just want to be able to make sure that I can honor those boundaries for you and opt out of conversations that aren't in alignment with you at this time. So one of the reasons why I started this podcast was because I feel very lucky that I can have really important and valuable conversations with people in my circle, my friends, my family, and these guests included. And I can really acknowledge that not all people have that in their lives. And I think the conversation that I'm having with Kenzie today is definitely one of them. So I'm excited for you to participate in it and have some awesome takeaways from it. And as soon as we logged onto the call, we just started diving into it and realized, oh my God, did the podcast start? Did it not? Where are we? So I'm just going to let that flow naturally. And um, yeah, enjoy the conversation. If you have any questions, connect with me over on Instagram at unfiltered with Ali. Let's go. And maybe this is similar to you, but, um, I've just been a freelancer for the last like two or three years and I love what I do and I don't really have, I don't necessarily know how to set boundaries for myself. So I've always worked through breaks. Like if I've gone on vacation, I've always at least like worked like a couple of hours a day and it's never felt like, oh my God, I have to work today, even though I'm on vacation. It's always felt like I'm going to work just a little bit. But this year at this time in my life, for the first time, I'm like, I'm shutting my phone off for a few days and I cannot, I'm not going to, if someone dies, they die. Like, and I don't get to know about it for a few days. That's it. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. And I've never done that before. So I'm really excited. I'm very proud of you. That is, that is a very hard thing to do, especially when you're your own boss, because you're, you're everyone in your company. Yeah, and exactly. I, I hold a lot of anxiety around feeling the need to respond right away. 
So if like, if someone messages me, it's like, oh fuck. Like I literally will be on my bike and I'll mm. get a text in like through the iPad and it'll just be like, so-and-so I'll be like, okay, stop workout text. And I'm like, can you not? Can right. you not? Right. You know, I think it's outrageous that if I don't respond right away, I'm like, if I don't respond, if I respond five hours from now, my clients are going to think, oh my God, she's not working. She's too busy for us. That was a very, mm. a very hard thing for me to, I still struggle with it, but now I'm like, no, no, you can set times for each of your clients that, you know, that's your designated time. And it's reasonable to have 24 hours to get back to someone. I always try and relate it to like going into a doctor's office. Like imagine just calling your doctor and like needing an answer from them right away. They'll be like, okay, we'll, we'll get back to you. Oh or like God, any other exactly. functioning business, we'll get mm-hmm. back to you. I'm like, <laughs> I'm a business. Why can't I function like that? Oh my God, that's such a good point. And I think that particularly as the way that women grow up in society, we don't necessarily grow up knowing that we need to set boundaries and that it's okay for us to set boundaries. And we're so conditioned that we have to be liked and we have to please other people that Mm -hmm. we become a person for everybody. And we Mm -hmm. forget that like, that's a way for us to lose ourselves. And so- when you set those boundaries, it's like you choosing you and it's you knowing your capacity for stuff for you to not burn out down the road and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And fuck your clients who think that like, she's too busy for me. It's like, bitch, she's making dinner or she's like sleeping or like (laughs) she's being a human being. Like leave her alone. You, you send them my way. I'll have some choice for (laughs) You know, it's really funny. I think everyone who turns to running their own business to freelance goes through a very similar journey of like, Mm. there's that enthusiasm at the beginning. It's like, I'm a people pleaser. I'm a yes woman. I'm a, I'm going to do everything to make everyone happy because that's what I need to do to get business. Mm -hmm. And you're going through it. You're excited. You're like, look at me. I'm killing it. I'm making money. This is so great. And then you start to feel, and maybe this is different for you, but this is my journey. Then I start to feel this internal, like anger. I'm like, why am I a fucking snap show? Mm. <laughs> you know, That's I'll get a text a and I'll be like, point. you're really fucking annoying. And I'm like, okay, hold on. <laughs> you're now I'm projecting my resentment because mm. I actually did not take the time to figure out what I needed to make me happy to set boundaries so I could communicate those to other people. And you start to realize that it's really no one's fault, but your own. And that's a heavy pill. That was a really heavy pill for me to swallow because not only did I have to figure out, I'm like, shit, how do I go to existing clients? to now implement boundaries that I didn't express from the beginning, (laughs) which is, which is tricky. You'll find that's tricky Mm -hmm. in business or even with family, with friends, whatever, but it really helps you shape who you are with clients moving forward. I think you either hit burnout, you hit that anger, you hit that resentment. You'll usually hit some sort of wall that will smack you quite hard. That will make you reevaluate. Okay. What's, what's going on around me right now? And what do I need to make me happy? And boundaries are, we don't, we're not taught boundaries. We are taught Mm -hmm. to actually, I feel like we're taught to not even have boundaries as a kid because it's like, go tell this person you do this, go tell that person your story, go do this, go give this person a kiss. You know what I mean? You just have, Mm -hmm. you're always taught to make people happy. Oh my gosh. So absolutely. So true. I have so many things to say on that. Just uh, one logistical question before. Um, I know. Is this, (laughs) is this the podcast? 
Is this the interview? Have we started? We're done, right? That. Okay. Yeah. Day. I'm I was just thinking kidding. about that when I started. I'm like, usually I give a rundown, but then we just started talking. I'm like, you know what? I'll let this conversation fizzle and then we, I'll go back and, and fit it in. <laughs> okay. Um, no problem. <laughs> so let's, let's dive into this, go over your story and like basically your journey to where you got to work, what you're doing right now. So a little bit about my background. I grew up in... <laughs> started when I was born in 1989. It was a Wednesday and no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I grew up in um, Southern Ontario and I grew up in like the country. And I say that because having growing up in the country had like a very formative experience on me. Um, I love nature. I like crave it. I want it all the time. Living in a city is great, but then I want to be back in the country whenever I get a chance. Um, and I went through like a pretty intense uh, divorce, like my parents went through divorce when I was about six or seven. And that was pretty intense for me. I would say that that was, that was, that was it. That was the first time that I felt really broken as a kid. And after the divorce happened, I started to turn to food to cope. Food was really predictable. It was safe. It was secure. It satisfied all it like, you know, just hit all of the notes for me. And I started to gain weight as a kid, as a result of the trauma, as a result of eating a ton. And I developed very quickly, uh, like a disconnected relationship with my body because of the trauma that was happening at home. Mm -hmm. And then I started to have body image issues around that same time because my parents and other adults were starting to tell me that I was having a weight problem. And so, well, what do you do to cope? You just eat more. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it's a really fantastic cycle. And it wasn't until I was about my teens that I started dieting and the diets were working. And I kept thinking like, why can't I just do this? Like, why, why isn't this just helping solve stuff. And why is it when I'm dieting that I don't actually internally feel better? Mm -hmm. Um, then I, I hit my twenties, of course, nothing changed. I moved to the city and I started going through therapy in my mid twenties. And I had a therapist that we weren't really touching on the eating disorder stuff. And then I started an Instagram account and it was going to be my weight loss accountability account. And I told myself, I was like, this is the last time that you're going to try to lose weight and you're going to lose weight for good. And that's it. And you're going to do it. And, and it's going to be done. And I like, I told myself this. So I bought it. I bought a workout program online. And for the first, it was a, it was a, it's a workout program where like two to 3000 other women buy it. You're all in a Facebook group. You all start it at a starting date and you have like this peer support. And it was the first time I'd ever done something. What like work at was it? I feel like we maybe did the same. <laughs> it was one of the programs from Katie Hearn. Oh, okay. I did a different one, but okay. Continue. But there's I'm so like, many of them. I know. I'm there. listening to your story. I'm like, this is my exact same story. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and most women are like, and this is my exact same story. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's like, you're looking or listening into a mirror in some way. Mm -hmm. It's, it's interesting how we all have these unique journeys. And then at the same time, they're all so similar. Like mm -hmm. I love that dichotomy. Um, so I made this account for my accountability and I 
told myself, like I told, like I, I mentioned that this was it, this was gonna be the last time. So I start losing weight and I have this peer support. And for the first time, something feels different. Like I feel so connected to a community that I was like, I'm going to lose this weight for good this time. Like this is going to, and it's going to heal everything. Like my low body image, my mental health, how much I hate myself. It's all going to go away when I lose this weight. And I learned, and I was learning so much about food at that time. And I was eating so many different types of food that I was like, I don't even feel like I'm starving myself. Like I don't feel hungry. I don't feel like I'm starving myself. And I was really enjoying the workouts and it was just such a positive experience for me. So I was losing a bunch of weight and I lost a lot of weight. And then when you lose weight for people who don't know, you hit a plateau at some point, your body says, okay, we're done doing this we feel like we're in a famine. So we're going to stop losing weight and you kind of have to trick your body to continue losing the weight after that. But as soon as I saw the numbers on the scale, not lower anymore, I started my, I started having the freakouts again. And at one point in the gym, I was like crying in the bathroom and I remember pulling out my phone and for the first time I searched up a hashtag and I had never done this before, but I searched up the hashtag self-acceptance and I saw all of these people, primarily women that were embracing themselves and sitting down with their stomach rolls and their cellulite and their hair and their scars and their acne. And I was like, what the actual fuck did I just stumble into? And I stopped <laughs> crying. It was like, I had never seen that before. And I had never even, I guess I also had never taken anything like that seriously before, mm -hmm. you know, like how could this world actually be true? So I felt really inspired from that. And I went home and the next day I posted up like a photo of me and my leggings, just sitting down in my sports bra, not flexing, not as a before picture. Cause that was a thing too, is that if I was posting up a bad picture of myself, it was particularly to show that this I'm a before I'm going to work to remove this. I'm going to work to tone this and, and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Um, and so and then the next day I just did it where I just said like, you know, fuck it, this is me. And I've never looked back and I started talking about my experience with my body in a more real way, like less having to do with weight loss. And then slowly weight loss started to fizzle out of my life. And I just started talking more and more about body love. I realized that I had an eating disorder and that I didn't take it seriously. And I didn't think it was legitimate for so long because I was never underweight and yeah, hands up in the air. If that has been yeah. you raise your hand, if you've been personally victimized by an eating disorder that no one's talked to you about, <laughs> yeah, that has always been masked as over dieting or yeah. not dieting hard enough or not dieting proper enough or not finding the right diet. Um, there's so many ways that we misuse food or ways that we starve ourselves. And then the ways that we start to cope and we may have binge sessions or we may emotionally eat or we may eat out of boredom. And we're not realizing that like this, this, there's nothing wrong with you. And that that this isn't a normal relationship with food. Like it's a both like you're not broken, but there are things to work on. Mm -hmm. And so many times people think that, well, it's just that I just need to find the right diet and it's going to click or something. 
But anyways, that's like me in an, in a, in an eggshell, not a nutshell. Um, and we're here now and we talk, I talk a lot about, uh, self-love and body confidence and mental health on my platforms. And, um, I'm really excited to chat with you today, Allie, like really excited. Yeah. I've been so, I, and I I think I kind of touched on this already, but I've just been so pumped to, to chat with you because your story is like, my story is like millions and billions of other women around the world. It's their story as well. And it's funny because I think you are probably, it's always hard when you record these episodes because you never know which one's coming out first. But in general, you're about the third woman that I've been openly speaking about um, disordered eating with. And the people closest to me in my life probably only learned this about me about a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. And the people that, you know, worked with me in different capacities. So like old trainers or doctors, they obviously are in the know, but I was, it was this year when I realized and my doctor said to me, like, has anyone ever worked with you on your eating disorder? And I said, excuse me, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. She's like, okay, let's, let's dial this one back a little bit. And just like I was speaking to, I was speaking to Gabby or like Michaela, a couple of the other girls, you're kind of taught or the media teaches you, or you have this assumption that the only eating disorders out there are, you know, anorexia or bulimia, and they're associated with thinness. So growing up that that's all an eating disorder was to me, but no one ever to me personally talked to me about relationship with food. No one ever talked to me about emotional eating. No one ever talked to me about binge eating. So here I am living my entire life. Either I'm either emotionally eating or binge eating, or I'm so obsessed with healthy food and having to be healthy. So I look at where I was when I was the most unhappy in my life. And I felt that I didn't have, I had the least control versus when I thought I was the quote unquote fittest, the Mm -hmm. best shape, the healthiest I was. And as you start to openly navigate this journey, you realize it's never about the number on the scale. It's never about the weight. It's never about any of that. The only consistent thing throughout this entire journey is I'm never fucking happy. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. That's you're singing all my tunes. Eating disorders do not discriminate against size, gender, against ethnicity, against location of where you are in the world. Like anybody can have eating disorders, an eating disorder or multiple eating disorders. And I I so hear you that it's usually when we think of who has an eating disorder in our head, we're usually biased to think of Mm -hmm. white women who are underweight, who are Mm -hmm. severely like Mm -hmm. very, very, very emaciated. And when we do that, when we have that bias, and it's a bias that has come because the majority of research in eating disorders have only ever studied thin, severely emaciated white women. Mm-hmm. And Hollywood portrayals are mostly thin white women, mm-hmm. like super thin. And so it leaves out like literally 99% of the rest of the people that are struggling. And this is why it takes it takes forever to get help because you don't mm-hmm. even realize that you need help. And that's why- you don't so many- relate to that. Exactly. So and- like that's not me. So that's not my problem. I don't have that. I'm okay. 
hundred percent. And then what happens is, is that the rest of us are sold diets that are promising to take care of everything and to get rid of everything that we're struggling with. Mm -hmm. So this diet will get you this type of body, which is going to fix your low body image, which is going to fix your relationship with food. Because if you are gluten-free, then you're not going to have your, I don't even know the certain spikes that are happening, which is causing you to like eat carbs in the afternoon. And if you don't eat carbs in the afternoon, then you're going to be leaner. And if you're leaner, then you're definitely going to be happier. And of course, leanness equals to health. So you definitely want that. And it's like, when did we live in such a binary place where it's like leanness is the only way to health? Like hands up if we've also always seen thin people also have health problems. Like since when did like, was thinness the only space where you could be healthy? And then on top of that, it's like, why do we think that like one type of eating style is going to work for 7 billion people? Like since when did that happen? I just want to know why it is so common to talk about dieting, eating. You, This is like this instant gratification, do this, it's the BL end all, but no one talked to us about how the fucking female body works, how our cycles work, how mm. our hormones work when we are children. Mm-hmm. Like, how am I just, I think we had a side conversation a couple of weeks ago when we were talking and- how am I just learning that I can help heal my body and heal my hormones by eating different foods during different, this different phases of my cycle that I shouldn't be doing the same workout in phase one and phase four of my cycle, how stress actually negative negatively impacts my entire, my entire being. So it was really interesting when I got diagnosed with PCOS and mm-hmm. weight and acne, it literally came on within two uh, two months. It was on. Here I am wow. getting my meals delivered and I'm working out six to seven days a week and I'm packing mm-hmm. on weight and for the life of me, cannot understand why. So counterintuitive than what I've known in the past. So counterintuitive than every, like from everything that you consume on the internet. So something as little as like, your stress levels are way too out of control. And by Mm. you doing those workouts, you release more cortisol, your body stores, you expand. And I'm like, excuse me, what? (laughs) (laughs) No one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about it. But the other thing is, is that this is specific to me. Mm, mm -hmm. And so what works for me might not work for you because that's not what you're going through and it might not work for the other person. So while we might have underlying similarities or similar experiences, I just, I just don't understand why I'm 30 and it's like everyone's workout plan should be different. Everyone's meal plan should be different. Everyone's skincare routine should be different. Mm -hmm. You are so individualized as a human. And yes, there are generic things like, sure, move more and eat more vegetables and drink a lot of water. That's going to do everyone good, (laughs) but you have individual needs based on your own body. And no one talks to you about that. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great point. And I'm so sorry. That must've been so frustrating and feeling so exhausted trying to figure out like what's going on with your body and how is it that I'm 
quote unquote, doing everything right. And yeah, right. <laughs> my body is clearly <laughs> freaking out about something. Mm-hmm. Um, no one likes to talk about the fact that exercise can lead people to inflammation. No mm-hmm. one wants to hear that, even though it is cited and sourced everywhere. Like you can find on tons and tons of articles on the fact that lots of different ways that we exercise actually heightens our stress. It doesn't de-stress us. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not to say, okay, well, great. Now we can throw exercise in the garbage bin. It's like, no, No. what exercise (laughs) it for you works for you. in this time, if you're exhausted and you're overworked and it's probably not great to go to a high intensity interval class. And that's everything I was doing. I was doing like, and I was doing two a day. So here I'm like, I'm doing weights, then I'm doing hit training in my body. I'm like a zombie. And I'm, I'm making it worse and making it worse. And mm-hmm. I'm just sitting there being like, well, before that's what I did. I did, right. I worked out and I ate less and it worked. So why is it not working for me now? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And one, it's something that I've struggled with as well too, like, like, um, holding my current self to pass self standards, like so saying it's so <laughs> It's so bad. And it dishonors who we are in this moment. We're forcing ourselves to be another version of who we are. And we're forcing ourselves out of our own boundaries Mm -hmm. to try to hit a mark or a goal or um, whatever it is. And we're not honoring exactly at the place that we're currently at. And so we abandon ourselves. We remove who we are in search of who we used to be or who we want to be. Mm -hmm. And then we, we dysregulate, like we fuck it all up and then we need to cope. So then we hit the Ben and Jerry's, you know, after work or something, because God knows we love those tubs of ice cream. I know I do what it's 2020 on top of that. What Give flavor me two though? tubs. <laughs> um, I try to be as vegan as possible. And so the one good vegan one is the peanut butter and vanilla one. Honestly, they're not fantastic. Like Ben and Jerry's hasn't killed it with the vegan flavors, but that one's not bad. But if we're talking like all out Ben and Jerry's, they have like um, a bare naked ladies, a million, I don't know, a million flavor one. And it's just like, it hits all the notes. I'm like, I don't want to talk about anything anymore. Let's go get ice cream. (laughs) Let's go go to Vermont and get it like fresh from the factory. Let's just not get a tub. Let's actually like work there for the remaining 2020. Oh yeah, for sure. The funny thing about these conversations is I need, and I try and say this in every episode, but I need you guys to know I'm talking confidently like I've mastered all of these issues. Mm. And I need you guys to know that behind the way that I can vocalize and be open about sharing my stories. Two nights ago, I was on my phone five years deep into photos being like, Mm. how the fuck did you like work so hard to get to where you were there and now be where you're at now. Mm. And I had to go through this session where I'm sitting there bawling my eyes out, having to make this drastic plan in my life to, you know, go into this army mode. And it's my current practice for me now. And this is the hardest practice. This practice in itself is harder than waking up, doing a workout and eating healthy. The Mm. practice of surrendering grieving and saying, this is okay. Mm. What are we going to do? You know, the next time you're at a crossroads to make a decision, what are you going to do when you have the opportunity to make a micro decision? Mm. That is way harder for me because I feel like I am, I start that 
more often than I'd like to admit. And it's really, really, really difficult. And if there's one thing I can recommend to anyone listening, and if you, if you are struggling with this, you're not crazy. It's, mm. it's wild how often I make myself feel like I'm an insane person. Mm. And are you, do you mean that you feel, um, you feel unsettled because you are looking at past photos of yourself and you're confused about who that person was and who this person is? Or just how it's like, yeah, it's like you wanted something, you worked for it. So why, just how did you get back to this point? because where I'm at in the moment isn't good enough, but where I was at in that moment wasn't good enough. And where I was at before that wasn't good enough. So nothing's ever good enough for me. I feel like my body right now is kind of shaking me to be like, when are you going to learn to love and accept yourself or like be a bit more gracious to yourself, no matter where you are, Mm. because all those decisions I made in the past were fear-driven. I wasn't working out because I loved myself. I was working out because I was addicted to working out because the fear that would happen if I stopped. I was measuring my food because I was addicted to what was going in my body because the fear of what would happen if I didn't do that, because that was the only way to be quote unquote fit, to be healthy, to be whatever. And now it's like this label of, well, why do I feel like I don't have control? It's, it go, it, it's always going to go back to a story for me. It's like, there's something that told me at some point in my life that I don't think I'm worthy or I don't think I'm good enough. Mm-hmm. And so when, for me, at least when I talk about my disordered eating or when I talk about my situations, it's not just about why, why do I have to consume that? It's what emotion is actually feeding that and where is it stemming from? So I can be more aware in the moment to now try and rework that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) rework that thought pattern, but also at the same time, release the expectation that things need to be instant. Like I need Mm -hmm. things to be fixed tomorrow. I ate healthy one day. I'm like personally offended that I haven't lost 20 pounds. I'm like, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) understand. Explain to me like I'm five. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Someone explained to me, I've been keto for three days. Well, what the fuck? Right, Um, right, right, right. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're raised or we're surrounded by, you know, messaging in this culture of like, how is it still possible? Magazines still have titles that say lose 15 pounds in 12 days. Mm. It's just, we're, we're expecting this instant stuff when like healing your body and healing your deep rooted shit's not instant. Mm. No, it's it's work. Yeah. It's not instant at all. Um, I'd say it's beyond work. It's, it's a, it's a life path that you're on. Like truly, (laughs) I would say when you like start committing yourself to, um, to change and to growth and to self-awareness, that's forever. That that's the reason why too, where, you know, you're like, I was going to mention when you, when you gave the disclaimer and the caveat as to the fact that you're not, you're preaching, you're, you know, we're talking about these things and it's not Mm -hmm. because we have figured them out. It's not because like we've, (laughs) we've mastered them. And that's the beauty of this is that you can't master it like you come close to mastery and then something fucks you up in life where it brings you back and it humbles you. And that is why the work is forever. And I wanted to say too, in solidarity that 
I started out my Instagram account and I started growing when I was in a much thinner body than what I am now. And when people sometimes repost photos, even this year, I've gained so much weight this year uh, for so many different reasons. Oh my God, we don't even have enough time for me to talk about all of the reasons why I've gained so much weight this year. Um, And one of them being is that we're in a literal pandemic, like the world is actually shut down. And I so understand when you are looking back on photos and you're like, it was so easy for me then. Like, why was it so easy for me to Mm -hmm. just have this goal and for me to just eat broccoli every day and for me to just Mm -hmm. be able to do this? And it's not easy for me right now. And in those moments, you do grieve and you do have to mourn and you do, it's, it's, there is an act of letting go and you don't even have to grieve it in a place of like, where I, I want to have disordered eating again. And I want to be able to do this. You can just grieve the fact that there was one point you held a very simple belief, which was if I'm thin enough, I'm going to be loved more and things are going to mm-hmm. work out more for me. And when you start swallowing that dry ass pill, that thinness does not equal to health, happiness, and abundance your life changes because things get a little bit more complicated and you have to start restructuring your brain and no one likes doing that. And the brain doesn't like doing that and, and whatnot. And so that's why there is a grieving process. That's why you do cry and we do mourn and we let go and we continue to choose to let go and we continue to choose to grow into new things. And it's hard for me, even as a person who's been doing this for three or four years to see myself inner thinner body to see myself in genuinely happy moments of where everything was also different, where I have to tell myself, I'm like, right. But back then I wasn't in a pandemic and I wasn't, I didn't have my own business back then. And I didn't have all of these other things that I had going on in my life. And so my choices were just different and I'm an okay person as I am now. And that self-validation process for me personally is so hard because I've sought and I continue to seek. And this is something that I'm working on now is to not have that external validation come first before my own self-validation. I constantly look for external clues as to whether or not I'm good and whether or not I'm okay. Is this Mm -hmm. person speaking to me in a nice way? Is this person giving me good feedback? Does this person tell me that I look good? Is this like always, you know, from everybody, from men to my friends. And Mm -hmm. it's like when you start working on validating yourself first, well, first of all, good luck. Cause that's going to feel foreign as fuck. You're not going to be able to do it at first, <laughs> but when you start doing that, you're able to source safety, security, and comfort from within. And then all of those other things kind of like take care of itself. Like you don't really, you don't need to look back on photos of yourself at a thinner weight to be like, Oh, remember those times. And like, remember when, when things were easier and when things were better, like that stuff is already held and contained inside of you in this moment. Like when we were talking about your past self and present self, like you're able to just so deeply honor who you are here and now. And then the last thing I want to touch on, and then I promise my Ted talk is done, but (laughs) I, I, um, oh shoot. It left me. No, it's gone. If it comes back, I'll let you know. I'm so That's sorry. Okay. I, it was okay. a good one. I was so excited to to share it with you. But yeah, like I just basically, I think that it's really easy to get caught up in 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 our past, especially when we have overrepresented our happiness, when we have overthought that you know 
I was way better back then and I'm not now. And what I was going to say was when you start changing the definitions of of your value and of your worth, mm-hmm. it gets much easier to validate yourself. So if you ask yourself, Ali, what is your actual like worth and how do you actually measure your worth? But if you measure it by a scale, it's very easy, easy to measure. Your brain loves that. It can see very clearly. Yesterday, we were X amount of weight. That Today, we've lost two pounds. It, you, there is, it's tangible. It's visceral. You can see it. But if you measure your worth by your values, if you measure your worth by how much you are being compassionate, if you're measuring your worth by how much of a curious human being you are and how passionate you are and that you try to build bridges instead of walls and you try to activate your your creativity, those things are harder to measure because they're much more subjective, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that it's very, very, very easy for us to get stuck into a place of my self-worth is dependent on all of these physical attributes, the house, the dog, the kids, um, the body, all of those mm-hmm. things, because they, you can see them rather than our worth is actually based on our values and what yeah. we value in, in, in our life. And, um, f- that's tricky for me too. Yeah. Again, sometimes student, the Coles, student, yeah. the Coles notes, I feel like the takeaways turn off your fucking phone and go inward for a right. second. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of the times I'm setting standards subconsciously based on what I see other people have it. So I want it. It's like that, that whole, that whole thing of like comparison's a fucking bitch. And mm. there are so many people that compare their lives to me and be like, I want her life. And I'm like, you literally have no idea what I'm struggling with. But again, it's like that person can still see the something great in me that they really admire and I don't even take the the time to realize that there are great things that I have that I can admire because I'm I'm stuck in a in a mindset of lack, you know, and scarcity. And it ha- it's become a very this year has had to had I've had to be very mindful of what are you consuming? How can I shape what I'm consuming? Some things I have control over, some things I don't, but I do have control over most of my feed. I do have control over who I spend my time with in person. I Mm. do have control over my relationships. I have control over my clients and boundaries are so, so, so key. Oh my gosh. Yes, absolutely. And we were, we, you and I were chatting about this and which you may put on the podcast, you may not. We basically yeah. dove into a heated conversation about boundaries and we're like, wait, hold on. Did this thing start? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boundaries are so important. And it's something that I'm working on this year. Um, it, it's funny how like, uh, so I'm 30 turning 31 um, this year and I truly am, feel like I'm a baby right now. Like I feel like I'm an infant relearning all of these things where when I think about boundaries, I've only started this year to separate myself from others because there was just this entangled enmeshment mm-hmm. from myself to from uh, myself to people that I've been romantically linked to, to my friends, to my job. Like, where is my sense of self? Like, where does my sense of self end? Mm-hmm. And then when does, you know, do other people start? And that I have needed to work on because I've been like watercolors. I'm just like drawing in everybody into me. And it's just a blend of bleeding. Just, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, um, we joke about it, but in the very serious moments where, you know, you and I may feel 
very, very, very disconnected from ourselves and very scared and nervous and dysregulated. Um, it's something big to work on. It's something big to work. And even like you said, like turning your phone off, knowing when, knowing when your limit and your capacity has been hit and, and turning your phone off and going inward, not checking your phone first thing in the morning or saying no when you want to say yes or saying yes mm-hmm. when you want to say no. Yeah. And uh, those are all of the ways that we can definitely practice boundaries. Yeah. One of the best things I learned, again, it's one of those frustrating things where I'm like, why am I learning this so late in my life? <laughs> but there's a difference between no and not right now. Mm. And both of those answers are completely okay. And if you take some time to spend more time with yourself, your body will actually tell you when something's, you know, before your mind will, your body, Mm. something will hit you and it's going to be like, nope. Mm. And you have to honor that. And I will tell you as a business owner who has not honored that I've gotten burned more times than I would like to admit. (laughs) So true. It just, your body will just say no. And usually if we're not honoring that and we, we feel pressured into saying yes, or we feel the need to be liked or for whatever it, whatever reason you're feeling like you need to say yes, when you really want to say no, it will form resentment. It will form anger. It will form frustration. It will be a very big buildup that will not end in a nice result for you Mm -hmm. or the people involved. But one of the most powerful things I've learned is that no is the best word in my fucking vocabulary. (laughs) And the respect that not only you give yourself, but the respect that you gain from other people by saying, thank you so, like, you don't have to be rude. You don't have to say, nah. You can say, thank you so much for thinking of me for this. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had some time to think about it. And right now I actually don't have the capacity to take that on. So I'm going to pass, but like, please let me know if something is available in the future, if that's what you want. You can also say, hey, I can't do this right now, but can you get back to me at this date? Because it's something I actually want to do, but I can't do it right now. Mm. And that's really powerful too. And if anyone cannot respect two of those answers or either of those answers, I'm telling you right now, that's a sure shot sign. You should not be engaging with that person, working with that person or whatever it is. But those are such powerful tools to have in your toolbox to just call the shot in your own life. So it'll help you stay more in alignment with yourself because you as a vessel need to take care of you first. And anytime I, like I said, I felt resentment. I felt burnout. I felt exhausted. I felt, I was like, well, where Mm -hmm. was I, where was that out of alignment? Because it's no one's fault, but yours. And Mm -hmm. that was a hard truth for me. Yeah, absolutely. So well said. We are so oftentimes raised, uh, specifically as someone has raised a woman, to not honor a hard, a hard no, to mm-hmm. not honor. Um, and when I say that, when we don't honor ourselves saying no, if someone says says no to us, we'll be like, okay, absolutely, no problem. Like you know, we'll fawn, we'll flee. Um, but being able to actively say no and, um, say it in a nice way. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. just a no to other people and no to your external environment is a yes to yourself. Like Mm -hmm. that's how I love to, to 
phrase it in my head is that I'm saying no to this because I'm choosing me. I'm Mm -hmm. actively choosing myself and I matter. And so I have to do this. It's Mm -hmm. not about saying no, and then I'm a bad person or I'm going to let other people down. And because their opinions of me matter a lot, I can't do that. It's like my opinion of me matters a lot and my boundaries matter and my sense of self matters. So I'm going to choose me and I'm going to say no to this thing. And that is so hard. Again, coming back to everything that we've said, that's Mm -hmm. so hard when your sense of self and your sense of worth has come from other people's opinions and validations. And so of course it makes sense why we would prioritize theirs over ours. Mm -hmm. The human body is a wild wild thing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But then at the end of the day, like you said, Cole's notes, just shut your phone off, grab a pint of Ben and Jerry's, turn on Netflix and like, let me know what you're watching later. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to chill out. So we, we talked about it quickly. I just want to go back before we, before we end the combo, but I would love to dive into you a little bit about Mm. just kind of accepting where you're at Mm. as we're kind of in, we're in this time of year now where we're, we're about to go into reflection mode. Mm-hmm. And we're about to go into reflection mode that's going to weigh heavily on a lot of people in many different ways. You're going to have people that felt like this year was a very big struggle. For some people, probably the worst year of their lives. But you're mm-hmm. also going to have people that will probably share their wins and successes in different capacities. You know, you're mm-hmm. likely going to come across posts that are going to be like, I was able to do A, B, C, D, E, and I'm the best person in the world because I did it in the <laughs> pandemic. And the internet's going to have the the greatest way of making you feel like a fucking failure. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love to kind of talk to you about navigating how you chose to still like just honor and accept where you're at Mm. throughout this, throughout this year, because like you said, you experienced a pandemic, you experienced changes and different emotions in your body. You had to go through a fucking breakup. Like Mm -hmm. you're your own boss. You're just like, okay, okay. It's like, what else? Like, it's like dodging shit in a video game. <laughs> oh my like- God. Absolutely. <laughs> it is like dodging shit in a video game. Um, first off, thank you so much for recognizing all of that in me. I really appreciate it. Um, because this year has been really big and has been really, really, really hard for me. I moved twice, both times in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, once was from a literal cockroach infested apartment building. Perfect. Um, my best friend and I are no longer best friends because it turns out that they are a conspiracy theorist who doesn't believe in masks or vaccines. Um, so that breakup was really hard. And then my former partner and I decided to close our relationship and that was really fucking hard. (laughs) And then, um, one of my close friends is dealing with, uh, like a really, really, really intense, intense health issue. And that's super difficult. Mm -hmm. And I left my management agency for another management agency. That was really difficult. And so get into that one. (laughs) No, that's 55 episodes later. (laughs) No, you you, please keep this in. I'm like, so okay with that. Um, Those guys. (laughs) But this year has been really tough. And I think that this year has also shown on top of that, I I say all of that, those were my own personal struggles on top of that, um, being more politically active than I think that I've ever been as well. Um, You know, huge, huge, huge uh, ally to the Black Lives Matter community. 
making sure that I have been writing and calling um, politicians and making sure that I've been part of change and making sure that I'm not standing idle and not being silent in the face of injustice and um, doing all of that while also having everything else going on has definitely been tough. So with Mm -hmm. all of that being said, again, trying to condense all of those things into Cole's notes. Um, understanding that this year I have become someone else. I am not the same person that I was last year. And I, for you. Oh, I, I have looked at myself more times in the mirror and I've said, this is you, this is, you have become something different from this year. You have grown in ways that you have wanted to grow and you have learned things that you also didn't want to learn because of all of this. And it's something that my therapist and I have worked on so much where I've said, like, I don't want to be this resilient. I don't want to learn these things. And here we are, we have to do it because there's there are two ways to go about growth. It's either you abandon it or you walk forward into it. You walk into the fire. And I chose to walk into it. I just thought I've been abandoning myself for so many years and I have nothing. I have not gained anything from that. It's landed my ass in therapy. I'm paying someone now to fix me. The only thing that I can now do and the quote, um, if you want something that you've never had, you have to do stuff that you've never done. I have held that so close to my heart that I want really big, incredible things in life. I want the system to change. I want my life to change. I want, I want like love, happiness, sense of security, all of that. I have to do things that I've never done. And so I've this year, including knowing that you're deserving of it. Yeah. And how can I practice that without without all of the stuff that I've used as coping mechanisms prior. Um, and so this year has been about growth and I've, um, I think you said the word earlier, but you have to surrender to it. There is this type of, okay, I give up you, when you walk into the fire, you become, like I said, you become someone different and you just let your hands off the reins. You take your hands off the steering wheel. You just surrender to what life is giving you in that moment. And you allow yourself to change and you allow yourself to be really, really, really broken for a bit. The 2020 version of Jesus, take the wheel or spirit guides, take the wheel or whoever you speak to, just fucking take it. (laughs) Exactly. Just take it. Take the Palo Santo out of my hand because I can't do this anymore. There's only, um, I think that in before, uh, before this year and before some of the stuff that I went through this year, um, I think that oftentimes I controlled my change. Like I would be like, okay, I'm going to change and I'm going to do it on my terms. And it worked out and it it might've only worked out 10%, but at least I was in control. This is the first time that I've ever allowed myself to not be in control. And if there is ever a time to do it, it's definitely during a pandemic. It's definitely you know, during a time where there, there is no sense of certainty, you know, we've just got a vaccine. We just are talking about the fact that we can maybe see some sense of normalcy this time next year. And it's like, okay, so we have some sense of certainty, but like, if there's any time to throw yourself Uh and to surrender, it's definitely now. I'm feeling that buildup of like, I can't believe I waited 10 months. I I'm trying, you know, my old, patterns and ways of thinking are like, holy shit, 10 months have gone by and I've done fuck all when like, Mm. look how much I could have done in 10 months. 
to help work on that. But also I didn't have the mental capacity when I lose my whole fucking business to start working on myself. And mm. it's just that, that way of like, I'm working with my coach on it. And she's like, can you just like, can you just be here now? Mm. Okay. And what are you going to do now? And yeah, that is, that is a common theme for me. It's like, we're in a pandemic. A lot of the things you say you want to do, or a lot of things you say you want in life, you can't actually fucking do them right now. So this is your chance to tuck in and do the work that's going to help me just learn to accept and love where I am in this present moment. And also I'm learning, like, I'm just starting to learn how to be grateful. And I know that's really embarrassing to say that, but a gratitude practice was very, very difficult for me. Embodied gratitude is very different than surface level. I'm happy and I'm glad that this gratitude and being glad that something happened are two totally different things. You can be glad that the mailman dropped off your mail and that you get your Amazon slippers. Like that's like, yeah. But to actually physically feel gratitude, you have to open up your heart. Gratitude is actually very vulnerable because when you open yourself up to gratitude, you open yourself up to all of the things that you can lose and to lose all of those things that you're grateful for could be devastating. And so to feel the worth and the value of them is one of the most beautiful things. And and that's why I, whenever someone says like, how can I love myself? I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm going to be boring. I'm going to say it. And no one wants to hear it. I'm going to say, start a gratitude list. And it's like, no one it's, it's, it's so, it's so hallmark to say almost in a way, but it's like a true gratitude practice is the depths of your vulnerability. What are you actually grateful for? And I, Mm -hmm. in my gratitude practice, and I'm sure that this is similar to yours, but in my gratitude practice, I say everything I'm grateful for, like my tea in the morning to the people that put me back together when I'm broken. Like truly Mm -hmm. I look at all of the small and the big things in my life. And I'm just like, well, who would I be without my favorite mug? And who would I be without like my, my, my quiet moments in the morning when I get mm-hmm. to read and just mm-hmm. things are so chill and calm and peaceful. And who would mm-hmm. I be without my best friends? And it's like, oh my goodness, I have so much to lose. That means that I have so much to be grateful for. Yeah. I, I said this in another recording, but I don't know. I, I never know who, how spiritual or how, what the person I'm interviewing and the people mm. listening, I don't, I don't know what everyone's practice is, but mm. I, I personally don't practice a religion. I, I was raised Catholic. Um, I never really felt in alignment with it was always drawn to Buddhism. I traveled the world and I was so in love that I was, I just admired how people around the world practiced and, and lived their lives. But it, it had me questioning a lot. I'm like, well, how can we have 40 million different religions? <laughs> that have different stories about how the world is created. And it wasn't until I went through a really, I went through a breakup three years ago that rocked me to my motherfucking core. Mm. Like I've had my heart broken before this one, like no other. Mm. And that's when oh I kind God. of, I felt Same like girl. I, yeah, Same. I surrendered to like, I don't believe in God, but I'm, I'm surrendering to the power of the universe and mm working with my coach now, who's an intuitive coach and um, working with me more in my daily practices and going back to gratitude. She says to me, she's like, you, if you don't appreciate what comes at you now, you won't get served bigger things Mm. because you're not, you're, you're just like, well, she doesn't, she doesn't appreciate it. She's not deserving of it. Mm. Like she doesn't even like what she's getting. And that's a very, very hard thing to practice Mm. when you're in a scarcity skeptical mindset which Mm. is how I live most of my life 
<laughs> yeah. This is cool that you brought this up because, um, I call myself a spiritual atheist because I am, I'm like a very staunch atheist and it's such a, it's not a romantic word. And when I was spiritual, like when I was like hardcore manifestation, law of attraction, vibration, all mm-hmm. of that, I thought atheists were old men who were pathetic, who lost their way. And I was like, they all drink beer and they smell like formaldehyde. And I was like, they literally, I will never call myself an atheist. I don't even care if I stop believing in this. I'll never call myself an atheist. (laughs) And here we are. I am very much an atheist. And so it working in, um, spiritual practices, like a connection to nature has been so important Mm -hmm. for, uh, being an atheist because you need to be able to have a connection to something larger than yourself and something totally. larger than yourself can be the universe. It doesn't have to be rules that, that the universe comes with. It doesn't have to be anything like that. It can just be like, wow, I am on a planet that has human beings that no other planet in our solar system has. And we don't know if that exists anywhere else in our universe. Like, can we feel how special that is? Like, can we feel how vast the universe is and just how rare life may be? Like, this may be it. And for some reason, the universe decided on evolution. And for some reason, the universe woke up to itself in us. We get to be self-aware. We get to ponder the skies and we get to look at one another and say, hey, I like that person. Hey, I love this person. Hey, I don't like that person. We don't know if that happens anywhere else in the universe. And it's like, mm-hmm. I will, abs- like you said, I will absolutely surrender myself to that process because that is that is the mystery. Like why? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. And so I think that's finding those moments of why wow, there's something bigger than myself and I'm going to just let it be bigger than myself and I'm just going to let it take me where it's going to take me, I think mm-hmm. are so, so, so important. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting here. I'm like processing it. I'm going through the whole conversation in my head and I love talking just, to you. <laughs> <laughs> likewise. Um, everyone I just think is so deserving of a reevaluation of themselves. Mm-hmm. where they're physically at, mentally at, emotionally at, and just that check-in to be like, am I truly happy? Am I honoring mm-hmm. my needs? Do I even know what my fucking needs are? That for me, I think going back to the breakup, I think the reason why it was so bad for me, because it wasn't just a romantic breakup. It was mm-hmm. the breakup that was like my mirror this was the breakup. Like as soon as my, that, like as soon as he left my house, I knew exactly why I felt it. And at, at the beginning I took the blame for it because it's like, mm-hmm. if only I did this or did that, or did this, someone would love me. And it was like, no bitch. <laughs> Sometimes I get really frank when I speak with myself and it was like, no, the only thing that happened in the last couple of years of your life is you abandoned who you were as a person. You mm-hmm. had zero self-worth. You did not find a way to understand your needs or communicate your needs. You had zero boundaries. You didn't put yourself first and you depended on someone else for your happiness. Mm. When you extend that you know, over a period of a couple of years, And then mix in having to understand that I've been diagnosed with depression, anxiety, and eating disorder. Mm. And on the, uh, on the brink of finding out that I'm about to get diagnosed with a hormonal disorder, Mm. 
that mirror is like, you're going to fucking deal with it and you're going to deal with it now. So not only am I having to deal with the heartbreak, I'm now sitting there basically feeling naked in a corner saying, we got a lot of shit to work on. Mm-hmm. And when are you going to do it? Okay. Also, and it's Ali, a lot. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, FYI, just in case if anyone wants to know, it's a lot. It's um, up. <laughs> yeah. The part, the part about the breakup really, really, really resonates um, with me. I've been going through my own process with my own breakup and blaming myself so hard and really think blaming myself and also blaming Mm -hmm. him. Like Mm -hmm. I've been having these like really, really, really big fits of rage and big fits of anger, um, at him, at myself. And, um, but I'll be honest with you, mostly at him, let's be real. And, uh, you know, going through the, the really figuring out right now, speaking about boundaries, where did I start abandoning myself with him? And where did I start to lose who I was that is forcing me into this reckoning right now? And that to me has also just like you said, like that was, that's a lot. (laughs) That's, that's a lot. Um, and it's, it's really, 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 yeah, it's, it's really tough. I had to sit there where inside I'm screaming, being like, how the fuck are you? Like, I'm struggling through shit. How the fuck are you not going to choose me? Like, you're my partner. How are you not going to help me through this? How are you going to choose me? That was like the biggest thing that I I struggled with for so long. Like, you're a quitter. You're this. Like, like, you're just, that's it? That wasn't the reason why I was actually angry. That's that same voice should have been me to me because I'm sub like, I am so resentful that he won't pick me, but I didn't fucking pick myself for two years. Mm. It's like, mm-hmm. how was I going to expect now I can see this, but in the, in the time, in the moment I couldn't. And I was like, the irony of yelling at someone to want to choose me when I couldn't choose myself was very, very hard for me to swallow and not something that fixes right away. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And it's comes full circle. It's like, we're not, um, we're not choosing ourselves because we have been raised to rely on the external validation of other Mm -hmm. people. And sometimes we may not even know what the fuck we want in relationships Mm -hmm. and with others. And so when they leave us, we're like, Oh, you're, you can't leave me. And when they're like, okay, well, what, well, what do you want? And you're like, well, I don't know, but it's definitely not this. And it's like, Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily even know what we want. So we don't even know where our boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so messy. And that's why this work is really, really, really important. Like coming back to yourself and coming back to the things that make you whole and the things that make you, you and the things that you want to work on. And the, like we were talking about, what do you want to be measured by at the end of the day? Like, what are your values and how can we commit to hobbies that nourish us and that don't leave Mm -hmm. us more broken than what we are? So like you said it, like get off your phone, like seriously, like don't scroll for five years on your Instagram page and look at pictures (laughs) of your former self. It's fucked up. Don't Don't, do it. Don't do it. (laughs) Unless like, yeah, I I don't do it with the same intention. I went digging to prove to myself that I wasn't doing well. So don't just don't do it. Yeah. yeah, Don't don't, do it. 
don't do, don't do that. And I feel like in that way too, that's like a form of, um, that's a form of self-harm when oh, yeah. you are doing something like that, where you're just like, I know that this is going to hurt myself and I'm going to do it anyways. That's like full on abandonment. Like at the that equivalent point. of check, checking your ex's social media after a breakup, just oh don't do God. it. Just don't, don't do, do it. it, but you'll have, do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I have actually my, uh, my ex blocked and it was something that I asked for when we closed our relationship. And, um, I said, I like, I need space and I'm going to, I'm going to block you online. And like, hopefully we have an intention of, you know, being friends in the future, but right now I'm going to block you. And it was like really scary for me to do that because I, I didn't want him to be mad at me and I didn't want him to, you know, miss me and then move on because he couldn't see me anymore. And he couldn't see that I would be doing great and awesome and amazing. Um, hashtag I'm not, but anyways, I wanted him to think all of those things. And so it was really scary for me to do. And now I look back and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so glad I took that leap of bravery because Mm -hmm. I could not be myself. If I knew that he was watching me, Mm -hmm. like I would constantly, I would still be doing things for him, you Mm -hmm. know, for his eyes, for his perspective. And so Mm -hmm. the fact that I chose me is I'm, I'm, I'm so thrilled with myself and it's very rare that I can say that and be honest about it and not have it attached to my ego. But I'm like, that was good. That helped me nourish my own, my own self and my own soul and, um, be able to, you know, just cleanly wipe the slate and just be like, Mm -hmm. I'm done. And like, I have to, I have to rediscover like who I am without you and, and go from there, but so hard. Holy, holy F so hard. Yeah. That's really amazing. Thanks Allie. You're welcome. Okay, guys. I feel like if I don't cut this now, it's going to be like a four hour. Four hour I know. <laughs> Maybe we can do another episode down the line. Maybe we could do like Absolutely. a little check in, but just a couple things before we sign off. Again, touched on it pretty briefly in the, in the episode, but just, I just need you guys to know, like, I'm not a professional when it comes to this. The only professional I am is I'm a photographer. If you need photos, <laughs> come to me. You need marketing help come to me. You need me to do something in the marketing world. I will help you. Um, otherwise this is just a really good platform. I, I, the goal of this is to have conversations with amazing women Mm -hmm. that I feel don't happen in a lot of friend circles. And if this hits something in you that makes you like, Oh shit, maybe, maybe this is something I'm going through. Getting help is so cool. (laughs) It's wild. Get, I really encourage you to reach out to someone that can give you the help and support that you deserve to help you navigate your journey. And then lastly, if you could leave people with a couple easy takeaways that they can implement in moments that they're feeling really down on themselves at home. What are some, what are some things that have worked for you or that you would recommend that have people just like pause, acknowledge, but then reconnect with themselves, like getting themselves out of that little funk. Mm. The thing that I really want to say, which might not feel helpful, but it is to find some type of surrender in those quiet, hard moments, like in those moments of dark solitude when no one else is around, when the pandemic fatigue is really weighing in, when you've just watched 10,000 videos of people online who seem to be having a really great time and have their lives figured out in a pandemic. Um, 
I would say get quiet with that and find some way to surrender to it. And don't be scared of those moments where you are feeling really lonely and where you are feeling really sad. Please allow it. Emotions are feelings that are meant to be felt. They are not meant to be repressed. When we repress them, we find ways to cope. And oftentimes our coping mechanisms aren't the best mechanisms. Like we need coping mechanisms for our coping mechanisms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I would say if you're able to also find some type of meditative practice, if you're able to find something that allows for you to cultivate your self-awareness. So whether or not that is a meditation practice or gratitude lists or journaling, but something that allows you to go inward is really important. Like embracing solitude and embracing your loneliness and not being afraid of it and finding out who you are in those lonely moments and documenting it in some way and practicing some type of meditative practice, I think mm-hmm. would be like what I would want. asking your body what it actually wants. Yeah. What, what it's it, like actually feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we just live in a world of hyper distractions and we live in a world of like hypernormal stimuli. And so we're constantly feeding our brains information and we're not letting it rest and digest. We're not letting it, um, metabolize all of the stuff that we're putting into it. And we're scared of being quiet. We're scared of, of that aloneness, that feeling of being alone in those quiet moments. And I would say if there's a time to like start getting okay at that and to start, you know, detoxing from all of the noise and busyness, it's, it's now. Um, and lastly, like curate your, this is like one one but curate your social mm-hmm. media feed to make you feel good about yourself. Like mm-hmm. stop following the Kardashians, start f- following and, and like follow them if like you want to follow them, but, um, follow people that make you feel good about yourself. Follow people that inspire you, that make you feel curious, follow puppy videos, follow, you know, <laughs> cute animals, <laughs> um, mute people if you have to, but make your social media feed a place where you are excited to go on. Don't make mm-hmm. it a place where you're dreading and then you end up on it five hours later anyways. Um, yeah, I think that, that that would be, those would be my tips that I'd want to hone in today. That's great takeaways. Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. Before we go, Kenzie, can you tell us how we can, you guys can actually keep listening to her talk because she has her own podcast and the best way for people to connect with you. Yeah. The best way for people to connect with me is through Instagram. Um, I'm at Kenzie Brenna and you can definitely connect with me on Twitter as well. You'll get a more, um, you'll get a more salty version of me on Twitter. Uh, (laughs) I'm a little bit more softer and bubblier on Instagram and I do have my own podcast. It's conversations with Kenzie. You can come hang out over there. And Ali, this has been so good and so great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh. No, thank you so much for hanging out with me. I so appreciate it. Well, there you have it, honeys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Ali. My name is Ali Pucci, and be sure to visit at Unfiltered with Ali over on Instagram to join in on the conversation, connect with my guests, and access additional content and resources from each episode. A friendly reminder that you can join my girls only Facebook group via the link in my Instagram bio. This is such a great place to connect with other badass women from all around the globe. Finally, 
If you like what you heard today, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure that you don't miss out on any future episodes.